Welcome back to Late Night Cage Fight. This is the golden age of cage finally coming to an end. This is our cage fight, and we are here with a very special guest. This is Melissa from the punk band Tomb of Nick Cage. Hi, guys. How's it going? We are so excited to have you here. Thank you for coming on the show and, and agreeing to do this, to be our cage lord. That's so awesome. I love that. I want to walk around with, with that honor all the time, but I'm just I'm happy to have it right now in the, in the, in the momentary. You can put it on your official resume, Cage Lord. I, I'm, I'm totally doing it. I feel like we it's should have be, sent you a it's sash. It's going to be on all my profiles now. Yeah, so um, if you didn't know, at the end of each season, we have our cage fight where all of the movies that were the winners, um, they we kind of pit them against each other and have a Cage Lord decide which Nick Cage film will go into our B Cage of Fame. This is a big deal in the Cage verse. Let's let's go through the movies. These are the movies we have this season. Or actually, maybe I should mention the movies that have won so far in this show. The first one was Birdie. You guys remember Birdie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How could oh, yeah. I forget? That was a fun fight, yeah. And then last Nothing season... Beats bird sex. Yeah, lots of uh, talk about uh, uh, interspecial uh, relationships yeah. with that one. Yeah. yeah. We're not kink-shaming. No. No, no, no. I'm only against furries. Feathers are still fair game. And then uh, last season's winner was Vampire's Kiss. Ugh, yes. Which the I number mean, one forever. Yeah. That, That's that a hard a, one to beat there. It is. I it tried. Is. Yeah. Oh, which one did you want to win? My pick was Amos and Andrew. <laughs> Not over the Vampire's <laughs> Kiss. God. That's all right, Steve. Steve had a, he had a hard time defending that one. Yeah, if, uh, <laughs> if I recall, yeah. So I I'd just like to say that I was responsible technically for both wins, and that that is a lot of uh, responsibility. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, um, Cage Lord Melissa, please don't let that affect your final decision. If Sean picks something, you don't have to. I, okay. I have to know Sean's reasoning first. I'm going to have to yes. take that into consideration. Yes, because, definitely. like I said, this is this is this is unduly fair, so, mm-hmm. un- unfair, unduly unfair. Just don't take his hair into into consideration. <laughs> it's it's style, and I like it. All right, so the movies that have won this season are Deadfall, where Nicolas Cage played the role of Eddie. It could happen to you. He was Charlie Lang. Leaving Las Vegas, Ben Sanderson. That was his Academy Award win. The Rock. He was uh, Stanley Goodspeed. Con Air, playing Cameron Cameron Poe. And Caster Troy in Face Off. I, I do want to mention that uh, we have six entries here because uh, both Con Air and Face Off, that was our final uh, episode there. And we were not able to make a decision, so we yeah. posted a poll to let our fans make a decision. And they also tied the poll. 
So they did. both entries had to come into the final cage match yeah. for for your deliberation. So that's right. I apologize in advance for putting that 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 stress on you. But I, uh, it, I actually, it did. It is kind of stressing me out. But but I think <laughs> I do have a favorite between the two. Okay, that's great. Good. That's good. That is good. Well, hopefully, the fact that you have a song about Caster Troy right. doesn't uh, it's, play into it. It's, it's going to play. In, yes and no. It's going to play into <laughs> it. I, I don't want to give any spoilers away. Yeah. Ahead of time. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, yeah. So the criteria for choosing the best Nick Cage film, really, I'd like you to just base it off of our conversations and just anything that sticks out to you that you think would mm-hmm. be a pro or a con mm-hmm. okay um i mean you are welcome well, I, just, I just want to point out that it's not necessarily just the the greatest film but um caginess is an yeah. important factor in making a decision right so we are going to jump into uh, discussing the first two movies but uh first i'd like to take some time to talk about your band the tomb of nick cage yeah just uh, tell us a little bit about your band and, and how you guys decided on this amazing name well, it's pretty crazy because I, I'm sure you guys know all this, but for anybody listening that doesn't know, um, Nicholas Cage lived in New Orleans for a while. He actually owned the Lollary Mansion, and he has his tomb already erected in St. Louis Number 1 Cemetery in New Orleans, and that's the same cemetery as like Marie Laveau okay. and a lot of dignitaries of New Orleans. And there's a lot of rumor about why he built the tomb there, but I went on a on a cemetery tour with a friend of mine and we saw it and it's like this gigantic white pyramid um with some mysterious um i guess a latin on the front of it that means all from one essentially and so i was like well if i ever if i ever have another band i'm going to call it the two minute cage because it's just too wild and the more i started digging into it the more um i was fascinated i mean everything from like latitude and longitude lines um, it's it's like the the rumors about why it's there. I've heard everything from the fact that it was just promoting. Uh, he was hoping to do um, National Treasure three, and it was promotional. I heard that a voodoo priestess told us if he would ha- continue to have bad financial luck until he built the tomb. I've heard that he is a vampire and he regenerates. Has to have a place to regenerate. That's fact, yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, th- that's my favorite. But yeah, there's so many rumors about why the tomb is there um and women would would go in and, and kiss it and it'd be lipstick marks wow. all over it so it's a uh, yeah the actual the um um let's see the um, archdiocese of new orleans has a perpetual care program for that cemetery so they have to take care of it so they had to keep pressure washing it all the lipstick <laughs> off and whatnot and so and also people would do things like they go in and paint um marie laveau's tomb or they would write on it so now you have to go in with a tour guide or the tour guide will get fined you can't just we when i went in you could just go in and look at it now you have to go in with a guide because they're protecting yeah. his tomb from further vandalization so but i could go on just on the name just where the name comes wow. from forever on that yeah one. yeah that's so interesting so that's why the, the name of our first album is the pharaoh of new orleans because we consider him okay. the pharaoh that makes My sense yeah. he is the one true god so <laughs> yeah he has a special place here my very uh last um 
vacation right before COVID back in like, I think it was like August of 2019. I, I got the opportunity to go to uh, New Orleans and I, I tried to go to uh, St. Louis Cemetery number one, but yeah, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. you have to go in with a guide now. Yeah. And um, yeah, we like just got there before it closed. So that's yeah, also but, where the cemetery scene in Easy Rider was filmed, and they broke a bunch of stuff. So now th- you can't even film in there anymore. They won't allow any film crews to come in and do any work in there. So it's kind of sad. Wow. But yeah. It's interesting that he used to own the Lollery Mansion. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. I, I saw that when I was there, but... Yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah, and of course, there's rumors about that too. That it's ha- so haunted that he couldn't stay there. But I, you know, I think that it's probably maybe financial reasons. But you know, but I can't I say think it's because he was scaring the ghosts. <laughs> the Ghost Rider. So. I want to see that movie. <laughs> I want that to be a movie now. Uh, you want to you want to ask the next question, Sean? Oh uh, yeah. What, when was the last time uh, you got a chance to uh, to actually see the tomb? Um, I was in a band with a friend of mine called Linda, um, uh, and they were we were based out in Los Angeles and Texas. And she flew in, and, and that's like one of the number one things on her docket. She was only in town for like two days, and so uh, I went a few years ago to go see it, but I haven't been back. I need to go back soon. Yeah, that's definitely on my list when I uh, when I go back. Oh yeah, I mean I'll go, I'll meet you out there. We'll 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 go and see the tomb. <laughs> And, and I tell people, I say, like, well, what do you think you should do? And, of course, I tell everybody that comes to town, and they're like, well, why do I want to do that? I'm like, well, we're not friends anymore, so how do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> Just go to Bourbon Street. I don't know. Get a daiquiri. I don't care yeah. anymore. If you don't want to go see Nicolas Cage's tomb. <laughs> do you think there's a chance uh, Nick Cage has uh, heard you guys? Yes. Yeah, I know. I don't, I'm not saying yeah. he likes it, but um, mm-hmm. we... Um, we had a friend of ours who was a who was a special effects makeup artist, and he worked on Nicolas Cage uh, for a movie, and um, he uh, he wore our shirt. So, and Nicolas oh, Cage, badass. from what I understand, from what 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 was said to me, and of course, I don't know, this is all hearsay, uh-huh. but he said, "Oh, right. they have shirts too." So, I, so I don't. I'm not saying it wasn't a. It was. I think it was an acknowledgement, but it wasn't a. Uh, yeah. It wasn't like an endorsement because yeah. we're not easy listening. So, so I. Uh, but I. But from, I also sure. have heard stories that he. Uh, he does kind of kind of know about, um, his kind of insane fandom. So I think he's surprised, yeah. but you know. So he. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of knows, but he just you know keeps a low profile, which makes me love it even more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're convinced that uh, somebody heard our uh, awful podcast, and and that's why they made uh, the unbearable weight of uh, massive talent. It was like a reaction yes! to what we're I, doing. You know what? I I, I don't um, I, I believe everything. Like, you know, we use a lot of like uh, pyramid stuff in our art and our music. You know, to reflect the pyramid, and um. You know, and you guys will go down this rabbit hole, but after a certain period of time, if you look at his films, pyramid symbolism shows up in a lot of his films. So that's something I, I okay. haven't really talked about that. I kind of wanted to put together yeah. my my thesis about that, but I'm telling you guys first, <laughs> start looking at his movies and you'll see right. strange, you'll see pyramids everywhere now. Okay, well, Steve, what have we seen in his movies that keep popping up? Um, the, uh, the lizards, the, right? the lizards, yeah, fucking yeah. geckos. The geckos. Wow, <laughs> Werner Herzog used that prominently in um, in Bad Detective, Port of Orleans. 
I don't know if you guys yes. have seen that one yet, but um, but yeah, but that Werner Herzog film, um, you yeah. know, it was very heavy on the lizard. So now that you guys are bringing that yeah. up, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely one that, oh, sorry, uh, that caught our eye. Um, I think the day the day I reveal that movie to Cage Fighter Sean will be like the day I level up in the universe because <laughs> that's that's Bad a glorious lieutenant. one. Uh, Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. Oh my oh, yeah. god. I'm, I mean, to me, that's a dream come true. Like, the world's most existential filmmaker with Nicolas Cage, who may be the world's most existential actor, working together. So that's that's pretty iconic. Oh, definitely. Strange film, but, you know, I liked it. Yeah, it was was strange, but it it was also just, like, alluring. It had its its own kind of special magic that made you want to go back and watch some of these scenes. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we're we're talking with Melissa from the Tomb of Nick Cage. Their website is tombofnickcage.com. Now that's Nick with a K. Mm-hmm. Tombofnickcage.com. And you can find them on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music is where I've been listening. Awesome stuff. I can't recommend it enough. So the first movie that, that won our versus battle was uh, Deadfall. Now this was a Coppola film. Not Francis Ford, but Christopher Coppola. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what to say about this movie other than like without Nick Cage's performance as Eddie, it's really just just a slog. Yeah. Right, guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I feel like if you watch the highlights of Deadfall on mm-hmm. YouTube, which you can easily do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just it's some of the most amazing acting I've ever seen in my life, and we all know the behind the scenes facts, right? About how Cage was able to create his own wardrobe, um, choose his his accent, that bizarre accent, which I mean, Cage does in so right. many movies. What what would what would you guys say is the strongest argument for Deadfall to come out as uh, the winner in this Cage fight? It was the only one good enough to get a spiritual sequel. Oh my god. There is a sequel. Not many people know. <laughs> Nicolas Cage, yeah, he came back for Arsenal, the sequel to Deadfall. Um, let me read the synopsis real quick of Deadfall just to remind ourselves of of this, this amazing plot. After he accidentally kills his father, Mike, during a sting, Joe tries to carry out Mike's dying wish by recovering valuables that Mike's twin brother, Lou, stole from him years earlier. But Uncle Lou is also a confidence artist, and Joe, Joe is soon drawn into his increasingly dangerous schemes. Um, this is honestly probably one of the worst movies made on a $10 million Hollywood budget. <laughs> Um, there, you can't even find sales information. I, I couldn't find, uh, you know, how much money this movie made, but it's just so iconic for Nicolas Cage's mm-hmm. role that, uh, yeah, we, we couldn't not pick it. Right. Do we know why it's called Deadfall? A Deadfall must be some kind of, uh, like mob term or no, no Cage Fighter Sean. Urban Dictionary. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Look that stuff up. You notice how in the synopsis, Eddie, Nick Cage's character, isn't even mentioned. So I think that's something that we have to consider. He's not a main character. He's not the main character. But man, is it an iconic performance. Right. I don't think anybody um, can... Uh, I-, I think uh, that performance was the movie. I don't think after that, it's like, how can anybody even act around that? 
And then, you yeah. know, second half of the movie, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. After he gets his, his face fried. So I, I will say, watching watching the movie, that the, the, the first time that we watched it was actually during NCAN, the Nicolas Cage Appreciation Night. And uh, mm-hmm. after Nick Cage was no longer part of the movie, um, we actually stopped it at that point. I don't think we finished it the first time. You're probably right. There was a lot yeah. of drinking at that time. There was, there was. Um, but I would say one of the one of the main reasons that I I uh, appreciate this movie is just because of how how strong the the caginess factor is a huge part of this movie. I mean, he is mm-hmm. he's just beyond amazing, and I think it's uh, it's probably one of his most iconic roles up to up to that date for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when he really cut himself loose and. Uh, I mean, vampires, especially in the meme verse one, but especially in the meme verse, right? I mean, you get the hi, fucking yeah, like you can't forget that. (laughs) That's amazing. I think he still goes back. He reprises that hi, yeah, now and again too. Yeah, Yeah. he does. Does. Yeah, I thought that. I thought he said that in um, the unbearable weight of massive talent. If I don't, if I'm remembering correctly, man. Um. But yeah, I, I mean, he, he really he really put his all into that movie, and uh, I also think that uh, it's interesting how a lot of the other co-stars that he was in that movie with went on to have very prominent careers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Bain. Um, well, he was already. When did Aliens come out? Right, like that in, in Terminator. Yeah, I don't know. I just I really liked Michael Bain, and and when I saw him in this movie, I realized. Um, I feel like he's one of those actors that really requires a, a great director to to bring out the best possible performance, which is why he shines in those classic um, 80s movies. And in this one, it just seemed like a, a free-for-all, really. I mean, when you let Nicolas Cage do whatever he wants, obviously he's going to steal the show, which he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... But I think that's what's good about it. I mean, it was uh, it was definitely a bunch of cocaine buddies getting together and making a film, and it was very like uh, it was very reminiscent of the idea of uh, let's just grab a video camera and let's see what we can do, you know. And I felt like they did that on a professional level, which yeah, I just really admire that. Okay, well, yeah, it did feel like my cocaine buddies don't want to make a movie. Yeah, wherever they are, they just want more cocaine. Right, Cage Fighter Steve. This 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 one's probably the least known out mm-hmm. of all of the movies we've done this yeah. era mm-hmm. and probably so far besides maybe like cotton club and time to kill which Oof. you can't yes. buy on <laughs> apple for probably obviously. time to kill was very hard for me to track down for us to watch yeah man uh it's a pretty good film Netflix, if you need content. There you go. Definitely a family film. All right, well, I say we move on from Deadfall. We've pretty much said everything there is to say about it, right? Any- Except for just, you know, that hanger scene is my favorite. I could watch it over and over and over again and laugh every time. And you know that had to be off the cuff. That wasn't planned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, to me, that was just magical. It was. So, whenever I'm depressed, I go watch him flip, the, flip that hanger. Someone's got to kill me, man! It could happen to you. 1994. I'm gonna be honest, fellas. This was the one movie of the bunch that I I kind of had I had I struggled remembering. 
I when I saw that that was on the list again, I I legitimately forgot what it was about. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Nicholas Cage plays Charlie Lang opposite Bridget Fonda as Yvonne. This is uh, inspired by a true story of uh, Detective Robert Cunningham and his wife. This film was inspired by a true story of someone who won uh, a lottery ticket and um, wanted to share it with a waitress. That's that's the gist of it. So Charlie and Muriel Lang have led simple lives for most of their existence. That's until they win $4 million on the lottery. Um, prior to winning the lottery, Charlie had eaten at a cafe and hadn't been able to tip the waitress. He had promised her jokingly that if he won the lottery, he would give her half of it. This is the reason why his wife decides to leave him. She doesn't want the waitress to get the money. In fact, she wants the whole $4 million for herself. It made for some nice drama. There was actually some interesting cage outs, if I recall. There's a super fun um, robbery sequence where there's a guy robbing the store and, and Cage takes him out. That stuck out to me. But uh, the, the real story, if I recall, wasn't nearly as interesting, right, as real life tends to be. But yeah. I just want to go on the record here to say that um, I had voted for guarding tests against this movie initially, and uh, clearly by the uh, unbearable weight of massive talent, Nick Cage also agreed with me. Um, so truthfully, the fact that this movie is even in the running right now is on YouTube. So just want to put that out there. I am a bit ashamed. I feel like I have lost to Steve. Because when I saw the, the, the coverage that Guarding Tess was getting in that movie, which, by the way, we do have a review coming. The uh, Massive Talent movie review is coming. But you're right, Steve. Uh, maybe... Maybe in the, we got that wrong in the cage verse. We're yeah, not perfect. We're fallible yeah. beings here. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I, I don't think either film would likely advance right. this cage okay. fight. It's not, it's not up to you, cage fighter Sean. Although, it was wholesome. It was a wholesome movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the it's about the lottery. They're generating tax income for... Like schools and stuff. And, oh, they're just such you know, perfect people. Right. It's, oh no. It, it, yeah. It's kind of like it, a, it's like, it a, a commentary on Cage's career. It's basically yeah. like a lottery. Um, sometimes he <laughs> big and sometimes he doesn't. I like that. I think he yeah. would probably like that too. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Does Hollywood have like a, a Nicholas Cage draft, like the NFL, where he's required to be in certain films? They should. I don't watch sports, Sean. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't actually know how that works. I maybe Nicholas. <laughs> well, hey, uh, we're gonna have uh, part two of our band interview now with Melissa from the Tomb of Nick Cage, a horror punk band that is awesome. I want to ask you, you, Melissa. Again. What is your favorite cryptid? This was Sean's question. Sorry, Sean. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm a werewolf girl, and we have a cryptid down here in the swamps of Louisiana called the Rougarou, the Loop Guru. And, uh, you know, a lot, I, I feel like every culture has a werewolf 
like a werewolf lore, but that's ours. And they used to tell the kids stories about how the Rougarou would would pull their toes if they weren't good. Oh. But um, it's a lot of it's a lot of really weird lore about yeah. it. It's a regular werewolf, but you know, um, if you were cursed by someone, you had to be a wolf for 101 days. Ooh. And the only way you could slow them down is to like throw pennies or rice or something, because evidently you had to stop and count them. It's a, so it's got like some weird, it's got like some weird side werewolfiness to it. So yeah. I think that would have to be my favorite. So it's like if the if it's like if the count from Sesame Street became a werewolf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like somebody completely neurotic. It's like ah, oh, no, I gotta, okay. gotta count this rice. Yeah. So that's it's it's just, I I love that weird aside about the Rougarou though or the Loopgarou. Yeah. That, okay. That that was uh, that was one track on your guys' album. That I, I didn't know what that was, but the yep. lyrics and all that stuff is kind of like a a little bit of like uh, Cajun French gotcha. lore from from the Bayou. Yeah. So uh, I throw in a lot of little references to different yeah. monsters and stuff that's, like that. That that's cool. That would uh, that would scare the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Evidently, awesome. it was effective. So. Definitely. Cause they, oh, there's a Rougarou festival every year too, and so you know the the lasting impact of the Rougarou. Oh, there is. Is, a, is pretty big. Yeah. Right on. It's around Halloween, and they have like a march of witches and things oh, like that. So it's a lot of fun. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm not gonna complain about Hawaii, but man, we don't have stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys do though. You have like a lot of things like don't you have like kappa and things like that that'll drag you into the water. Yeah, you have from, water sprites. I think. Mm-hmm, in, in yeah, yeah. There's some uh, Japanese mythology influence yeah. here with the yeah lo- the local population for sure. There's some of that. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. You guys got yokai. Yeah. I'm coming. Yokai. Yokai. Um, do you want me to follow up, Sean, with the question that you added on here that I just now read? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's really important. <laughs> who, who is the sexiest cryptid? Oh, you know the kids are into that. Okay, so that's like a furry adjacent or something with that. The sexiest cryptid. <laughs> well, I guess okay. So I guess for the guys, there's yeah. a lot of uh, beautiful women that rise out of the like mermaids, mm-hmm, maybe, mm-hmm. and like um, mm-hmm. you know water sprites, maybe would it be, and then. Uh, which cryptid are you most attracted to personally? Hmm. Oh, Steve. <laughs> oh, maybe like hairy, angry guys. So maybe like uh, I don't know. Maybe the maybe werewolves. Werewolves, <laughs> I suppose. If I had to pick a cryptid, that's fair, right? I mean, uh, yeah, that I, I suppose because it'd be like a dude half the time, you yeah, know, yeah. be reasonable fifty percent of the time. Right. The, so yeah, that's kind of sexy. The real question <laughs> is whether or not you've seen the Mothman statue. Oh yeah. Yeah, we went to a, when we were touring up to um, to Maine. We stopped and we stopped in Point Pleasant mm-hmm. and and took pictures with the Mothman statue. Nice. And we have a song about the Mothman too. Yeah. So we had to definitely stop in Point Pleasant. And I suggest everybody go. It's it's really it's really kind of cool. Now the Mothman didn't look anything like that from the reports, but we don't care. Yeah. Because I know everybody shows pictures of his little butt and stuff like that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Mothman he he gave cakes. Mothman a, a, a muscular butt. <laughs> I, I'm gonna look into who designed that statue because that's that's some interesting choices. Yeah, they as far they as had some fun with that. <laughs> At least one. got like six pack abs yeah. and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, Steve and I are actually we're from southeastern Ohio, so it's not that far, right? Like four hour drive to the Mothman. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying to West Virginia. I was like, it's like a three minute walk. Yeah, I know. but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and they have a they have a Mothman festival there every year mm. too that looks like a lot of fun. They have like bands play, I think, and stuff like that. So yeah. it's like a three day weekend of Mothman and and some some podcasts do the like the paranormal guys. Yeah. They go out and they'll podcast from uh, Point Pleasant. That's cool. So that might be a good little journey one. Yeah, I think it's in September. Yeah, I thought that the the Mothman movie they made like a decade or so ago. I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. It was good, yeah, um, but it was in, it, inaccurate. Yeah, they took. I mean, I know I'm talking about cryptids uh-huh. right now, but as far as like, I don't. I think that he was kind of like benevolent and warning everybody. Uh-huh. And I don't. I don't think. I think the the real Mothman was was kind of like a malevolent yeah. entity. Mm. So, but um, uh, it's a. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really like the movie too. Yeah. I like the movie too. But there's a documentary from um, Small Town Monsters where they do a really good job doing interviews and stuff like that. Okay. So if you guys ever want to like follow up on on that, that's really good nice. too. But yeah, I did enjoy that. It had a. Um, who did it have in it? Who was it? Who was in the mod? Was it was it Richard Gere or something? I, yeah, I think so. Richard yeah, Gere. Yeah, I think it was. I don't remember the actress's name, but she's an Ozark. No, Laura Lenny, maybe. That's it, Laura Lenny. Was it Richard Gere, Laura Lenny? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll have to look I that up. Don't worry. If we're wrong, edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it in post. Yeah, don't be deceived when you listen to our podcast and it sounds like we know what we're talking about. Uh, it's only yeah. half true. Um, do you want to talk about um, the other members in your band and how you came together? Yeah, so um, Sean and I started this band, and uh, it was supposed to be like a like a post punk new wave type project. And so we actually went in and we did an EP that you can get up on Bandcamp still. I loaded that up, and that was just the two of us. So we had a drum machine. I played guitar and sang, and he played bass. And then uh, we kind of we got offered a well, somebody got offered his other band got offered a show and couldn't take it. And I said, well, we should do it. Mm. So um, like I said, we were kind of like a post punk new wave band, and I had a bunch of metal guys that wanted to come play with me so that's how we got that wasn't the first incarnation but now mm. this this incarnation has been with me for like six years so um my friend Aaron mcguire which did hardcore punk for you know we've been friends for 30 years mm. and then uh taylor suarez who's a young really young um fantastic lead guitar player mm. And then uh, Eddie Joubert plays drums. And we were both horror punkers. So we had been to the same shows but never met. So we've been together for like six years now, yeah. this lineup. So uh, how, how active is the horror scene punk today? And, and uh, how has the pandemic affected all of that? You know, I'm surprised because there's a new crop of young horror punk bands. And uh, it really kind of, I think, took off during the pandemic. Um, it's like it's like that was like what they needed to keep going and, and everything is kind of horrifying right now so I think that there's definitely a there's definitely a need for you know kind of like the catharsis of of horror rock right now and yeah. dressing up and becoming somebody new and there's actually like I think it's probably as vibrant as I've ever seen it right now so we're kind of like the uh, we're kind of like some of the elders, but I'm really happy for you know because you don't see you don't see a bunch of kids playing music anymore. It's yeah. not like it used to be, but there's all these kids in their 20s being gravitate gravitating back to horror punk. So I think that's kind of neat. I love that. What were some of the some of the favorite bands that you've uh, played with before? Oh well, we just got back from playing with 45 Grave and Ghoul Town, which to me that's like. That's like if I had a dream bill, that would be it. So, um, Forty Five Grave is definitely one of my favorite bands. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be coming up playing with uh, Total Chaos soon here in New Orleans, which is awesome. Uh, we've played with uh, Doyle from the Misfits. 
Um, who else have we played with down here? Uh, Power Man 5000, nice. um, uh, Pig Face. So we've been we've been really lucky. We've we've gotten to open for Calibreeze, um, a lot of the big horror punk acts. Hell yeah! Nice. Yeah, I used to uh, I used to go see um, you know a lot of uh, like psychabilly, uh, rockabilly inspired uh, horror punk bands. Like I've seen like Necromantics. Oh, so and, awesome! Uh, like I used to be really into like the horror pops and tiger army and stuff like that yeah yeah they're awesome we they used to have a big festival called heavy rebel weekender in north carolina i don't know if you ever, but they would do a lot of psycho billy type stuff and i love that too mm-hmm. very cool well before we get uh on to our next two movies to discuss here on late night cage fight i want to ask you uh one more question about nick cage if you could pick any nick cage movie to watch that isn't mentioned tonight what would it be and why? And if I can only pick one, yeah. uh, Vampire's Kiss. I mean, I, the, the we haven't, it's not in the match. Right, you're not saying, in the match. Or just one we That's haven't mentioned. I mean. yeah. yeah, it would be Vampire's Kiss. That movie is Cage from the second it starts to the time it ends. It's like if I had to pick a, a movie that they didn't waste a Nicolas Cage frame, yeah. then it would be that movie. And I think it's I think it's a smarter movie than people give it credit yeah. for. Um, I think, uh, you know, and I have a whole theory on that, but, but it would be Vampire's Kiss. All right, well, let's, uh, let's talk about Leaving Las Vegas. This one really took us for surprise because we knew Leaving Las Vegas was um, one of Nick Cage's most successful, most popular films. But really, apart from the trailer, maybe we watched the trailer together, we didn't really know the tone of this movie. I went in thinking it was going to be a story of uh, redemption, you know, fall from grace and then eventual redemption coming back. And then that made it hit so much harder, right? When that, when that movie uh, ended, uh, what, what did you guys think about leaving Las Vegas? So I, I believe I even said during our, our uh, initial review that I really expected it to be much more of like an action kind of film. Okay. Um, and I, I was, um, I, yeah, I was really confused as we watched it because I was just, I was waiting for the action to start and it just never really came. What um, made you think it was an action film? I, I think it was the trailer or just, um, just some of the general, like, God. impressions I'd had of the movie. I just, I, I'm so used to like these movies and Vegas being like Nick Cage, guns blazing kind of deal. Okay. And so... It's going to be like a heist. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could have seen your face when you finally realized and accepted. Yeah. Oh, this is uh, yeah. not an action film. Uh, yeah. So this came out in 1995, uh, MGM film. Nicolas Cage played the role of Ben Sanderson um, opposite uh, the character Sarah, played by Elizabeth Shue. Um, the genre here, I kind of created a new genre. It's a dark-ass drama slash romance. Uh, written by writer, director, composer Mike Figgis, adapted from a novel by John O'Brien, who uh, actually passed away uh, right when this film um, came out. Uh, ben Sanderson, Nicolas Cage, is a Hollywood agent who has lost everything in his life due to alcoholism. He loses his job, his family, and he makes the decision to drive to Las Vegas and drink himself to death. <laughs> 
In Vegas, Ben meets a prostitute named Sarah and fosters a strange and powerful friendship with her before the film descends into a carnival of depravity and tragedy. This was a this was a tough one to talk about, I remember. It's kind of like when you're in your 20s and you're at the party and there's that naked drunk guy and he's just acting all crazy, but then like you get to your 30s and it's just like, oh he's got like a son and he's like lost his job and is in debt and is sick. And maybe you have, maybe you have like one conversation with this guy and it seems so mundane, but that conversation sticks with you. And then years later you find out that this guy, something horrible happened to him, right? He died. And then you think like, Oh, maybe, maybe that was like my chance to say something to him and I didn't do anything. That's kind of how leaving Las Vegas made me feel watching him descend into like a voyeur like like it's almost like it is and he rides that razor's edge and this is why i think that he was deserving of the academy was he rode that razor's edge between comedy and tragedy so fine that you are in there and you kind of like are kind of giggling at him at first and it's kind of walking through the store and grabbing all the booze and hearty har har trying to get all the the booze in his suitcase and uh and too late you kind of realize that this is not funny and and you're right like maybe you want to reach in and you want to stop the inevitable from happening but you've already been um you've already been party to the demise at that point yeah so Mm -hmm. it's good stuff yeah but That reminds me of, um, you know, that scene towards the beginning when he's in the bar and he's hitting on that mm. one girl and he's just like way too fucked yeah. up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it starts out like, oh, this guy's like being pretty creepy. Yeah. It's kind of funny. And then it just right. like takes a turn and gets. And it's sad because he's like, know, oh, you're sad. so pretty. You're so pretty. Like he's almost like, you know, somebody save me. And everybody's just yeah. like, well, get away from me, you know. So he's yeah. kind of looking for that redemption. Walk, <laughs> <Yeah>. walk. <laughs> so sad. Uh, yeah, but that's why that's why it's uh, it's effective. Great writing. It's just a solid film. So the question we have to ask ourselves is: How much of it is Nicolas Cage? How much of it is just the overall leaving Las Vegas experience? How iconic? is his role. I mean, this is going to be up to you. These are the tough questions that we've had to ask ourselves. And it's kind of nice that we can uh, throw it at a cage Lord now and say, Hey, you, you deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I think that, uh, I I think that is an important role. I think as far as caginess goes, it was one of his more subdued roles, but he was definitely pleasant as uh, doing his thing. So I think that that's a beautiful thing. Like there's very few actors that can make me, um, th- th- you can do that and still feel so endeared to them on a level where, and I think that that's the power of Nicolas Cage is that, you know, he is us. He's like every man uh-huh. because if we could just go down the street having meltdowns all the time, you know, we'd be doing it. You know, we're barely hanging in there. So we yeah. see this guy and we're like, uh, that's that's me. Like I wanna I wanna be able to be that free with my expression. And so uh-huh. I think with this movie, even though it was a more subdued role, mm. he was definitely present as Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I'm doing that on the inside constantly. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's true. 
I work at a I work at a cafe, and every once in a while, a kid will come in and throw themselves on the ground and start screaming, and the parents will the parents will apologize to me, and I'm like, no, man, let them do it. This is beautiful. This is the last time in their lives they're gonna be they're gonna want to do this for the rest of their lives, and they're not gonna be able yeah. to. So have can't. at it, kid. <laughs> We're gonna have a tonal shift now to uh, the Rock, <laughs> 1996. <Wow. laughs> Q helicopter sound. Oh, Nicholas. There were helicopters in the movie. I, I totally yeah, right, that. right. Oh, you did? No. Did Do you remember that uh, Sean Connery is in it? Of course I do. Okay, good, good. So in The Rock, uh, The Rock is about a mild-mannered chemist who really likes, was it The Beatles? He really likes The Beatles, I think. Um, and an ex-con yeah. must lead the counter-strike when a rogue group of military men, led by a renegade general, that was uh, Ed Harris's character, threaten a nerve gas attack from Alcatraz against San Francisco. This was directed by Michael Bay. Yeah. Nick Cage played... Uh, <laughs> he, he played uh, Stanley Goodspeed, the biochemist. Um, I remember we kind of struggled. You know, they kind of paint him as a as a nerd at the beginning, like a nerdy dude. But then he's also like dashing and making love to his uh, girlfriend. And yeah, what, what? So if you're gonna have a character that's nerdy, why do you introduce them like just you know banging their supermodel girlfriend and then just like sitting Prom down queen. playing <laughs> some? Because <laughs> oh, they make sure to you know <laughs> later on in the movie. Yeah, man, that and, line. And then just like s sits down, plays some some naked guitar, and yeah, it's just like. But he, man, he pulled it off. Yeah, yeah that was. I was uh, loving yeah, it. Was it. All Nick. It's all Nick. It's all Nick. Yeah. Um, he improvised all those. This things. was a movie. This movie, like I, I worshipped this movie as a kid. It was like a thirteen-year-old. We had it on VHS, and I just thought, like, man, when I grow up, I want to be in the FBI and do this shit. I want to take out bad guys and yeah prom queen wife that's true though i did love this movie a lot uh when we watched it though recently i felt like there were a lot more flaws that kind of stuck out i i still dig michael bay's kind of touch to it though like it feels like um just like a really long car commercial with action scenes or something you know the the, yeah. the just epic chase scenes and the shootouts and Ed Harris was cool. You know, the thing that got me was uh, when Ed Harris was um, betrayed. Or no, when Ed Harris changed his mind. Mm -hmm. When he decided to be the good guy again. I didn't like that. I thought he should stay the supervillain because he was so good at it. But I felt like for some patriotic reason, right, they wanted to make him like, oh, this is this is wrong. We can't do this. And and we love it. You know, Ed Harris plays a great villain. I want to see him yeah. chew that scenery as the bad guy. Yeah, uh, in Westworld, man, he is freaking good. Scary as hell. But yeah, I mean, so let's see. I mean, did I go through the story, the basic story? They have the... Yeah. They get the, they get the gas that they're going to um, use, the terrorists are going to use to attack if the government doesn't compensate these uh, fallen soldiers' families because it's something of a cover-up. It was an interesting premise. Action was really cool. Um, I just personally think that it's not as 
good an action film as Con Air or Face Off. That's just kind of my two cents. It's, it's bottom tier, but still solid. Oh, I remember what I was going to say earlier. I was so pumped about us talking about The Rock, but, I w- but the, when I found it on iTunes, because I, I used to have this software where I could buy a movie on iTunes, put it in the software, and it would remove the DRM. So I'd feel like, oh, I didn't pirate it. I just removed the DRM. I paid for it. And then I could share it with these guys. Well, they fi- I think Apple finally figured it out. And it didn't. It, and I, I spent $19 on this film. And I couldn't use my software. And the next week, it was on sale for 5 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? It's because you bought it. That's why. They're well, like, ha, ha, Exactly. Ha. Yeah, they're trolling me. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was fun to watch and talk about. So I'll, I'll let you guys talk now. I know I'm stealing the, the time here. I think it was definitely a top tier Michael Bay film. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a step above. Gee, yeah, that's that's saying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't have any truck nuts. Um, yeah, for right. better or for worse. Like uh, a lot of the, it seemed to me like a lot of the females, the the, the actresses in the movie that don't have to do a whole lot they don't even have to act they just have to look like supermodels yes yeah. i'm in the military i'm six foot four supermodel <laughs> go get him so it's a michael yeah. bay yeah, yeah right right what you're yeah saying. i yeah. mean i remember the one the one criticism that's that's kind of famous is how uh when they break into alcatraz they got to roll like video game style through these flames that are moving up and down <laughs> and somebody was like why would they have that and Michael Bay said, because uh, it's a movie and, and I wanted to make it fun. That's why. It's like I Contra. Though in, right. I mean, I, I know I made this comment before. It was funny that the the timing was memorized to get in to Alcatraz. Right, right. Yeah, to get in. Because he, yeah. he, forgot, he forgot his wallet. When yeah, he got out. That's, that's what I'm guessing. Not really, so. but it would be funny. Um, uh, speaking of Sean Connery, I did want to mention uh, you, you. You mentioned you know the, being one of the main attractions of this film. Yeah. Um, the only reason that Sean Connery was in this film was mm-hmm. because he found out Nick Cage was in it. That's right. I think Is you told really? us that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's rad. Yeah. That's the that's the only reason he took the role. Wow. There's a few stories like that. I wish I could remember, but I think there's a couple other films. Yeah. Where the the other. Uh, the other co-star was like, well, I read, I saw that Nick Cage got the role, so I wanted to do it. Yeah. All right, we're going to go now, unless you guys have any final thoughts on I do the have rock. a final thought on The Rock. Okay. That, you Please. know, I remember the ending, and it's like, we never find out who really killed Kennedy, do we? No. That, no, we don't. So I was like, okay, so then I was like, you know, I'm really upset about this because this is really open-ended, and as a conspiracy yeah. theorist, I'm like... What was on that? I want to know. Did they ever right. think about doing a sequel? It was a really yeah. big budget movie. It made lots of money. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it was like one of the top three action movies of the year or something. So I looked it up. And Michael. the rumor is that Michael Bay was going to do a sequel called um, like Toxic Rocks or something. And it's about okay. how. Yeah. And about how they were like now Sean Connery's. I don't know. I don't know if this is true or not. But the, mm-hmm. the rumor online is that Sean Connery's daughter gets kidnapped and. Uh, the prom queen wife and then they're gonna put toxic rocks I don't know in in near San Francisco or something and uh, and they're gonna I but I, we this. never find yeah. out what's on that because Nicolas Cage now has the file or whatever the yeah the microfiche or whatever it was back right, then right right yeah right. so uh, but yeah they never did a sequel so I feel like um, number one I'm not a fan of Michael Bay 
Um, but a good action movie is a good action movie. But uh, yeah. I just I want to know what I want to know what happened. I want to know the end, and we don't right. get to know. That's a great point. Yeah. 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 So Michael Bay, if you're listening to this, I'll give you one more chance. <laughs> you just really put some turds out there, but I will go give you money yeah. if you do a sequel to this. Redeem with, yourself with Nicolas Cage. Of course, that's a must. Thank you for that. <laughs> okay, we're going to do our our uh, final segment of the band interview. Oh, sorry, one one other one other point on this one. Cage fighter um, Steve. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I have to. It, it's a very important line, and I have to make sure that it's also taken in consideration. Okay. Um, Nick Cage did a lot of his own ad libbing for this. The most important ad lib that he added was Zeus's butthole, <laughs> <laughs> which Nick, which Michael Bay did want to cut, but Nick insisted that yeah. it in the movie. Which, for me, being the right. person that constantly makes inappropriate commentary in virtually everything me and Reese do together, yep. Um, but always insists that it stays in. That that really stuck with me. Yeah, like Steve, you have more in common with Nick Cage than maybe I do, and that's that's probably true. Yeah, it's a crazy world if that's true. I'd argue that that line is it increased the Rotten Tomato score by at least point five. I'm, I'm yes. confident. I'm confident. Yeah, definitely. and of course, Bay oh. wanted to cut it out. That wet noodle. Ah no, this is my uh, serious film. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from the guy that uh, directed Victoria's Secret commercials. Did he really? That doesn't surprise me. With helicopters. I really don't like Michael And explosions. (laughs) You know what? uh, Actually, actually in the agenda, I have us doing the the last two movies and then the final um, band interview. Are you guys cool with that or do you want to break from movies? I'll do whatever. I'm here for the ride. let's, Let's talk. Well... If you're here for a ride, then uh, nobody ever you wants take to talk trip. about Nicolas Cage movies this far in depth with me. Generally, they start walking away, and I have to follow them, and uh, and so it makes me feel good that I can sit here with you guys and talk about this. A- That's great. <laughs> we've been we've been like looking for that feedback for uh, three years. It's true. It's true. We've been alone so long. <laughs> I am a fan. Usually, usually it's people that laugh because we're talking about Nicolas Cage or they're angry that we said something that they didn't agree with about Nicolas Cage for whatever reason. Um, well, not necessarily true. We get some good feedback. We should, we should give ourselves a pat on the shoulder when we deserve it. Let's talk about Con Air. Every blow dryer I've had, it's been a Con Air. That's true. Con Air, it came out in 1997 Directed by a Simon West, who we learned also directed the um, Never Gonna Give You Up music video. Oh, Remember? I forgot Yeah. <laughs> Written by Scott Rosenberg, Nick Cage plays Cameron Poe, a newly paroled ex-con and former U.S. Ranger who finds himself trapped in a prisoner transport plane when the passengers seize control. This, uh, so these were our last two movies of the season that we watched con air and face off back to back we had kind of a kind of a heated discussion because you know or ordinarily we're supposed to pick a winner and for me i i was so convinced i had seen con air as a kid and i had like these unconscious kind of 
memories of it. But when I went back and watched, I realized that I I really hadn't seen like the full unedited Con Air movie, and I did not remember the epic number of cameos or just oh, amazing. amazing actors yeah. in oh, this yeah. film. And I was like, I felt like a little kid again. So if you go back and listen to that episode, you know, I was like, guys, I have so many notes that I'm just going to go through it and you're going to have to react to it because I was so giddy talking yeah. about it. Like, um, yeah. John Malkovich, right? The the Dave Chappelle portions. I, I couldn't most believe how much. Most of which was ad Yeah, all the ad libs. Um, yeah, so I do recommend. Steve uh, Buscemi. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, yeah. Epic. We talked a lot about. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of that. opinions on Steve Buscemi's character in that movie as well. I would say, just this is just from my perspective. You have to understand, this basically was my first time really watching Con Air. Like this, this is this would be probably my pick if we were doing it the way that we've done these cage fights before. I would really push for Con Air, but most of the cage verse, <laughs> they've been watching this movie for years, mm-hmm. right? So. It might be best to take a step back. I don't want to influence you too much, um, but I kind of do. Man, I love Con Air so much. Put the bunny in the box. I know. Right. Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> you, you may not be aware, but this is actually a spiritual sequel to uh, Raising Arizona. Oh, oh, I love Raising Arizona. Yeah, I believe that. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to agree with Steve. Yeah. 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 That, that kind of one hundred percent with Steve. The, yeah. Yeah, he goes he goes back into back into jail, yep. and uh, then he gets on <laughs> he that plane. Up. Yep. He was, but he was kind of a bad guy in Raising Arizona. I think it was just well, a yeah, ding ding. It was just a dumb yeah. dumb, you know. In yeah. Raising okay. Arizona. Yeah. I guess straight. You, yeah, you can make that. He's argument. one of those people who's just going to land in jail for poor decision making. But he might have matured and, and uh, you know, been wrongfully accused and put on a plane with a bunch of convicts 20 yeah, years right, later right. Yeah. or however long it was. I'm with you, Steve. Yeah. I'm going to back you on this one. Well, congratulations, Steve. <laughs> hey, that's that's, what, that's Somebody, what I'm here for. Somebody's backing you up. For um, once. What, what did you guys uh, like about Con Air? What do you guys think? It, it, they don't make movies like that anymore. It. It was just a 90s ass action movie. It was snakes yeah. on a plane, but good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to just like go on and ruin the surprise, but Con Air is, is definitely in, in the top for me. I, I just, yeah. I, it's, I, it's one of those movies. It's like, I can't say it's like super nutritional, like, um, like leaving uh-huh. Las Vegas, but uh-huh. as far as rewatchability goes, enjoyability, yeah. um, and you know it's like it's for an out, outlandish um outlandish uh plot i don't even care mm. it was, it yeah. was like yeah that's exactly what uh, what we said it was fun just you know. fun and it was in the right yeah. spirit the tone was right yeah yeah and so many memes about yeah. his performance so many so. It was a much different experience from the typical cage out kind of thing. So he didn't have like a lot of the extreme and, and you know insanity cage outs that he would typically have. But his character yeah. was just so well. He was so driven, and I know I, I believe I, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember correctly. Um, mm-hmm. But I think when he was researching this role, he he spent some time in Alabama to try to uh, practice his his accent. I yeah. believe that was this film. I think you did say that. Yeah. 
His accent in that movie was uh, certainly a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A memorable that's, one. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And he was totally he beefcake, looked- too. Beefcake yeah. in this. It's like he's he changes his body for all of his roles, too. And he had like been working out yeah. for this one. And so, you know, I think he was in his prime prime cage. Yeah. 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 It's so crazy. I would have fucked him. <laughs> Cameron Poe is my favorite cryptid. I want to change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> he's the sexiest cryptid. Yeah. Well, our uh, our. Um, Super awesome fan base couldn't uh, decide between Con Air and Face Off, which we're just about to talk about. So, Con Air and Face Off, I, w- I think, are definitely both up there. Any final thoughts on Con Air before we uh, get to the um, the Face Swap film? Yeah, I want to know about the Steve Buscemi uh, thing. If we have time for that, I want to know. I want to know what your thoughts were. Cage yeah, Fighter Steve. Steve. That's actually, what I was going to ask is, uh, yeah. do you think? that he did do you think that he was um so there there was the child scene right and then mm-hmm. at the end the, the, the kid disappeared and everything do you think steve was was actually a bad guy and actually whatever he was supposed to be with with kids or was he actually genuinely just a a, a decent person yes steve actually he made this argument he thinks that steve Buscemi's character was actually maybe not a bad guy and was just yeah. like a giant troll. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of like got the same vibe as like, cause he had that kindness and whatever, but you know, I, I like the fact that they left it kind of, they didn't show the little girl, didn't they? Did they show her that she was okay that, after that scene? I, I can't remember. I, I think good, so. I think but, they did. I think she was fine. Like, cause yeah. they had all the, the, the stuff was knocked over. Like there had been a scuffle, but then I think yeah. you saw her later on. Like, like the, plane, had, the yeah. plane flew off and she was standing. By the fence, I think so. I so right. I think yeah. that, it kind yeah. of, I mean, this is just speculation, but it kind of gave me that feeling that they had gone for something darker, mm-hmm. but when they kind of watched it and the editing process, maybe it was a little bit too dark, <laughs> right. too heavy. Right. So like, you know, maybe we won't have him, murder a kid in this right i gotta um, i gotta look that up now i have to maybe there's yeah. there's some trivia on that because that's a really interesting conversation because i saw the movie mm-hmm. i think i saw, i think i saw it in the theater when it came out and um you know i just remember loving steve Bashimi's character and i must yeah. have been maybe in my early 20s maybe when i was i don't i don't remember but uh-huh. but i remember i love steve Bashimi though and so i don't know mm-hmm. i always yeah. want to think of whatever he's doing he's an okay dude yeah, so, <laughs> but that, I, I don't mean, know. He definitely introduced his character as being like deranged. I mean, he was he was in full up lockdown. Yeah, then, yeah. You he know, was given, in given full freedom and everything. He was he never did anything that really uh, instigated that that need. Well, maybe he was yeah. still a cannibal, but he wouldn't eat children, so it makes him okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the mystery. Of- <laughs> He was the Marietta Mangler, yes. if I recall, <laughs> which got us all psyched because Steve and I are from Marietta. And Marietta at one time was actually like considered, uh, it has like the highest rate of unsolved murders. Really? Yeah, it was yeah. on uh, um, Jay, Jay Leno, if I remember right. Proportionally or something. So, yeah, Jay Leno, yeah, yeah. He, he did a bit on it. Like he was like, if you want to kill somebody, go to Marietta, Ohio, because wow. the cops can't solve it. Yeah. This was a long time ago, nineties. Ohio does have a large Obviously. rate of like like people in basements that they find and stuff like that too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like well, there's I mean, always something like you, going on in Ohio. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like you either you either do that or you make a Nicolas Cage podcast. Yep. We don't right. have basements here, so. Oh really? And no, there's no basements in New Orleans. So I've been well, in like maybe two basements in my life. I don't like it. Wow. Um, if you ever want to go to a really nice basement, um, there's a guy over in Austria um, who's got a really nice basement. His name is Joseph Fritzel. Um, Don't listen to him. <laughs> he was a uh, he was a serial killer. He was I, I serial knew that sounded killer. familiar. Yeah. He's yeah. A, he, he, yeah. No, he had a secret family. Remember, okay, his, his daughter tried to run away, and so he... <laughs> Yeah, an unwilling family. Yeah, yeah. He had another family with this other family. I mean, all of us are kind of like you know, all of us have problems with some of our family, right? Yeah, yeah. Some of them are just worse than others. (laughs) You mentioned um, people being found in in basements in in Ohio. Uh, There, there was, there were these girls that in because I'm from a Cleveland area, and they this guy was keeping these girls like chained up in his basement for like decades. Oh, that was a bad, bad story. My, my friend, um, works at a bank and he ended up being the personal banker for one of these girls. And she just had all this money because of like interest that had accrued. That's that's the Cleveland house of horrors, right? I believe so. Yeah. That was terrible. Shall we talk about Face Off? <laughs> also has some difficult moments in Face Off, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. So here's our uh, our climax of the episode. Face Off, 1997. Probably, probably my first Nick Cage film okay. that I ever saw as a little tyke. Steve and I loved it so much that we would go into the public park with uh, cap guns and we took off the little orange nubs mm-hmm. at the end of the cap guns so that they looked real. Uh, you, you would get your ass killed today yeah. doing that stuff probably. But we would, re- we would reenact it in mm-hmm. the park. Yeah. Yeah, Castor Troy. Did you have like the, the John Woo dusters and like the doves and... Only in our imaginations. You had like a ski that, you know, whatever was <laughs> insane shit went on in that movie. Yeah. We were poor. We didn't have that kind of budget. <laughs> we had yeah. imaginary ski Yeah. And we're, we're thankful that this was pre um, social media. Yeah. But we do still actually, I, I believe we actually have those videos up. Yeah. Now. I, I did. I did edit some and put them on the internet, and because we don't look anything like we did when we were kids, so it just looks like a bunch of dumbass ninety kid nineties kids. And speaking of which, it was actually the precursor to our screwing around show called Dumbass, which that's true came out ironically enough just shortly before Jackass. Not saying yeah. that they stole the idea from us or anything, but they probably did. Steve, Steve is convinced that I'm also a conspiracy theorist, so. Yeah. That's why, that's why we, uh, you know, cage fighter Steve and I are getting along here. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, face off. So to foil a terrorist plot, an FBI agent undergoes facial transplant surgery to assume the identity of the criminal mastermind who murdered his only son. But the criminal wakes up prematurely and seeks revenge. Oh, does he seek revenge? Directed by John Woo, Nick Cage plays the character of Castor Troy opposite John Travolta as Sean Archer. I remember when I was editing the episode where we discussed Face Off and uh, I watched the trailer for the first time and, you know, they made the trailer 
just for the for the movie without using it was like its own scene. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty interesting. It was John Travolta's character talking about how he's going to catch this guy. And I just remember as a kid, I thought that this premise was so damn cool. And now it's like I have the same kind of love for this movie, but for much different reasons. Same. Like the, the ridiculousness of it. Like it's like the, the premise is so ridiculous, but they 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 commit to it. Right? And they just let it play out to its natural epic gunslinging conclusion. It's all style. Um, Nick Cage has some amazing lines. Uh, you get so confused. You're like, who's Nick Cage? Who's John Travolta? I don't, what the hell's going on? Who's killing who? I don't care. <laughs> Great. I don't care. Sean, was that, was that your, that was your first time watching Face Off? It was actually. Yeah, yeah I just never got around to it. What, what was yeah, like but, your gut reaction? Yeah, as it? a modern viewer, like, you know, again, I saw that movie when it came out. So I want to know what Sean, as a new viewer in this new day and age, when we have different technology, thinks of that movie. I just thought, like, I mean, this is just the most, like, gonzo, like, I have seen Cage, like, at that level and budget. Mm-hmm. And they just, they clearly spared no expense making that movie mm-hmm. and yeah i i also thought it was kind of interesting because like it's like you you get nick but like you also get uh john travolta pretending to be nick so it's mm-hmm. like you get the best of both worlds <laughs> <laughs> so true yeah no i i, I thought it was uh yeah, I, I really think it was like one of the most entertaining movies uh, we've done so far. Mm. Oh, we knew you'd like it. Uh, Cage Fighter Steve, how how has your opinion of Face Off changed over time? So, like you said, uh, when when we were younger, we were really into this film and thought it was like really cool and everything. Um, but for me, um, so I, I have a I have a four year old son. Uh, now and watching this movie now as a parent i found it um kind of disturbing in some ways especially okay. nick's uh, interaction with with the the children in, or the child in this movie it was just yeah. kind of creepy oh kind of yeah it just made me really uncomfortable yeah it's true i remember being a kid and i was uh you know i lived with my mom but I would see my dad every once in a while. We have a good relationship. But I remember seeing the 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 relationship between John Travolta's character and the son at the beginning and all that. And I'm just like, I'm glad that's not my dad. That's kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Steve being a dad, um, <laughs> this is kind of off topic, but we were we all watched um, Leaving Las Vegas together and. Steve's uh, son ran in right at the end when uh, during the sex scene. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. He was into that. Great, great scene for for children. We mm-hmm. watched one of the other movies. Uh, he didn't together. see anything. I, I, I'm trying to remember. There was one movie that we were watching, and I started watching it with him, thinking it was going to be acceptable, and then realizing very quickly yeah. that it was not. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was now, but yeah. Well, when when. Uh when your kids um, end up, you know, a little different, I guess you can blame me. You already yeah. know my kids are going to end up in therapy. So that's well. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, even your grandmother says the same thing. When she found out first that I, I had kids, she just started laughing. And she's like, I just can't imagine you having kids. I'm like, thanks, Mimo. I love you, too. Thanks, thanks, Mimo. <laughs> she says that about all my friends. It's true. So. It's true. But I'm still, uh, your, I'm still her favorite, so it's okay. Yeah. Okay, face off. What's memorable to me is the moment uh, Caster Troy wakes up in the hospital and realizes that his face is gone. I just, it's just so glorious, right? And he, and he's, his face is cut off and it's just like this mass of flesh and he's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. God. So get you know, infected. You know, in that scene that the, they had to remove most of the reflective uh, surfaces because Nick didn't want to mm. see what he looked like with all the grotesqueness on him. Yeah. yeah. That's what you said. That's, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I love the face-off uh, stuff in um, Massive Talent. Yeah. yeah, that was sick. So the, the guns of Caster Troy. They show up. That's yeah. that to me. That's what stole face-off was those those guns. Yeah. So yeah, clearly the song. But face-off is like one of those movies that I have so many thoughts about. Like I loved it as an action movie when I saw it. Mm-hmm. But now, through the years, I still watch it every time it comes on. I watch that movie okay. every time it comes on. And yeah. the whole time I'm thinking, this is so stupid. And, uh-huh. and But I'm going to watch it every time it comes on because it's a fun yeah. ride, particularly the first half where Nicolas Cage is mm-hmm. still Caster Troy. But yeah. where the movie loses me every time is when John Travolta's got, got Nicolas Cage's face and he goes down to the prison and his brother sees him and he goes... How do I know it's really you? Now, how many uh-huh. face replacement surgeries do you think there were at that time? How do yeah. I know it's really you? And yeah. also, yeah. the difference between the skeletal structure of Nicolas Cage mm. and John yeah. Travolta. I mean, you couldn't get two actors that were more similarly the bone structure. Just, I don't know. I just, I'm not buying right. it. Right, yeah. yeah. And, um and then, like, there was that, like I said, the whole on-the-water action scene. But, like, but I think uh-huh. that John Woo is a lovely director when he comes to some of his, for, for action movies. So, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I think the movie is is awesome and horrible in equal parts. One, one reason we started this podcast was I realized just how much fun I liked talking about movies with my friends. And I wanted to create this kind of time capsule, whether other people like it or not. It didn't matter. It was there's something for us to come back to without me having to rewatch the movies. Mm-hmm. I can re- experience these movies without watching them and with my friends. Right. And one thing that uh, I love about the song is I realized the song does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Listening to that song and the lyrics, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm watching face off. But just oh. like. A music version and that's just something I, I really love we definitely plan on do. doing a video for that one because I just I knew that I had to do you know whether it's one of my favorite cage movies like I said I have complicated feelings about that movie but I was like mm-hmm. I knew that that one was an important one if we're gonna and we're hopefully we're gonna do a yeah. video for that soon so we're hoping that all kinds of fun stuff happens for that nice. because I did yeah. and, and a lot of people say that like there's not a whole lot of rock bands particularly metal punk bands mm-hmm. that get uh, local New Orleans musicians involved and yeah. I heard that song and I was like y'all it's missing something. And I was like, I want a horn mm-hmm. section on the song. So we did call a trumpet player friend of mine who's a jazz guy, and he yeah. laid down all the trumpet parts on that because it the begin and and That's when I dope. went in, I wrote the song and I just gave it to him. And when the guys went into the studio, they added this whole kind of like spaghetti western part on the beginning of it that I thought I needed a, it needed a trumpet on it. So. Um, Cool. Yeah, so my friend Ted Ochoa, who's like in a local local jazz band, came out and did that just for fun one day. 
so it was fun. Wow. Yeah. Wow. As as somebody who uh, is a is a former ska kid, I, I definitely appreciate a a good horn section. Well, yeah. I'll get your address. I, I used to play bass in a, a, a all girl. Well, it was a four girls and a guy. We uh, but then we were called the local skank. And my guitar player lives <laughs> in Cleveland. So she moved oh, back to Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, oh, damn. So I'll I'll That's have cool. to hook all this up. It all comes full yeah. circle. Yeah. yeah. No, Very that'd be cool. awesome. Yeah, if you hear our intro song, it's uh, it's me singing heavily auto tuned to this beat, and uh, I actually I I have the whole song, and we want to make like an entire party with Nick Cage song. Oh, you have to. You That's have to make that happen. We, we tried, so, but unfortunately, the we closet tried. at my house doesn't have very good acoustics. <laughs> yeah. We we struggled last time, but yeah. I think we'll, we'll we'll get it. I'm gonna push yeah. for that to happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna check in with you guys and make sure that happens. I appreciate it. We, we need that. Yeah, we, we need do. that. Yeah, we we. It's funny because it's like we don't take it too seriously, but we still have creative differences and and what we're singing about Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah, you have to oh, well. treat that topic with reverence. Yeah. Well, and it well, doesn't help that we we have other. Um, uh, musical venues that we've gone down that are uh, much less serious and much more yeah. abstract um, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, not disturbed but uh, inappropriate I guess inappropriate yeah, yeah. Um, that's fun too and, and well but some of that was was kind of uh, taken away from the song when we tried yeah. to get some of those influences okay. in there it, it was it was becoming too uh, What's that band that did uh, You and Me, Baby, Ain't Nothing But Mammals? Oh, yeah. yeah I hear them all. The band that will never work again. What is the name of that band? And I, I yeah. wore that tape out. Um, damn it. Anyway, yeah. it was becoming too much like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but it'll work out. It has to. I mean, Cage is back. Not that he ever went anywhere. That's never. what he said. It's true. <laughs> I love that he's doing indie movies I, now. That makes me really happy. Yeah. Yeah, and we loved Pig, by the way. Oh yeah, we, we had done oh, an episode me, yeah, on Pig, and yeah. fantastic film. Yeah, he's just—it's—it's um, it's almost every single one that he's done, and I think I've watched everything he's come out with in the last three or four years has been good. It's been a primal. Mm. I wanted it to be better. I wanted it to be more fun, but you know, we haven't seen Primal. Primal. Yeah, yeah, we haven't watched that. He's one on a—he's on a, a ship with a bunch of escaped animals. And okay. a convict. Oh, it's hmm. Nick Cage, Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, yeah, and, but uh, you know, it's it's okay. But watch it. It's like it's it's like an yeah. interesting concept. Nice. I, I think that's uh, that, and uh, the Crudes are probably the only recent Cage movies we haven't seen. Because I know we did okay. Pig, Willy's Wonderland, uh, Prisoners oh, of Ghostland, Jujitsu. Uh, a Prisoners yeah. of Ghostland was fantastic. Um, it was interesting. Yeah. Oh, we ju- liked yeah, that he jiu-jitsu. was working. And then we also covered Color Out of Space and Mandy. Yeah. Mom and Dad? Jiu-Jitsu. Mom Not and Dad, yet. we want to watch yeah. so bad. Oh, yeah. my God, y'all. What a banger of a movie. It's, again, it's fantastic. So, like, we, we've deliberated so many times about, like, breaking our chronological order and just picking up some yeah. of these, like, really good movies. But that's why yeah. we've been picking up some of the new releases, just to kind of, like, mm-hmm. get, get yeah. a little bit more of the modern in. But, yeah. No, I'm glad you I guys say, have seen at least Mandy and Color Out of Space too, because I think those are. And it, well, I, I can't. Willie's Wonderland was great, but I think that the yeah, Mandy and mm-hmm. Color Out of Space are going to be canon down yeah. the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I have uh, one final point to make on uh, 
Face Off? Yeah, on Face Off. I I want to just remind you guys that there are current discussions um, for both Nick and John Travolta to come back for a sequel to Face Off. Um, They haven't gotten anywhere with it. Are they going to get their faces? shaking his head no. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm just... Trying to imagine how are they going to do? They're going to get their faces swapped again. Yeah, I, I mean, again. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give maybe, them my or money. They get, so. Maybe this I feel time, like maybe they, this time it's not going to be their faces. They're going to swap something else. <laughs> how old's that daughter now? <laughs> she's got she's got children oh, now. God. <laughs> I feel like it would have to be new characters, but they have cameos or they're they're something else. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like I said, it's still in discussion listen, phase. Listen, if that happens, I will be the first one in there Me to too. see it. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Maybe they have another character and they do a three-way swap. <laughs> oh my god. They each take like half of the face. So progressive. I want a human centipede <laughs> slash uh, face-off <laughs> mashup. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Everybody's attached by the head. All, all I'm saying is that when when I saw that uh, Winnie the Pooh horror movie, I'm like, Nicolas Cage Dude. should play Christopher Robin. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we also, our, the last time we spoke about Nicolas Cage, we saw the uh, little promo image of him playing Dracula. Oh, that's good. So that's great. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so we've we've gone through all the movies at this point. Unless you guys have any final thoughts on Face Off, now's your chance. Are we ready to move on then? Um, we've gone through them all. I, I would, I, I think it's up to you guys, but I would like to say I would be cool with leaving Las Vegas, Con Air, or Face Off. Not saying you have to pick either of those three, but those would be like if. If we were doing it the way we did before, I would pick out of those three for my personal pick, and I would have a hard time doing it. W- what three would you guys pick, uh, Sean and Steve? My personal uh, top three, I mean, I would probably pick The Rock, uh, Con Air, and Leaving Las Vegas. Those, yeah. those were the ones that I enjoyed the most. Not that Leaving Las Vegas wasn't a great film, it was just... Yeah, you know, kind of, kind of sad. Okay, uh, Steve, do you want to throw guarding test back in there um, just for you? I mean, if that's an option, uh, <laughs> my, I mean, my top picks would be whatever the worst ones are. Um, no, yeah. I, I would have to say probably Con, Con Air. I've, I've just, I've, I've always loved Con Air. It's probably out of the, out of all of them that we've watched in this season. Mm-hmm. Con Air is probably yeah. the one that I have seen um, the most times. I, I always, every time I see it on, I always get caught up and I watch it again. Uh, truthfully, I, I just, I always come back to Deadfall. I know it's not like a, a, a fair, like a crowd favorite, but I just, I love his, I love his character in that one so much. The movie yeah. itself isn't all that great, but I just, I love Nick in that movie. Uh, and we have such great great memories watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I see I face off. I don't know. It was it was nostalgic for me. But going back and watching it, I just um, I don't know. Like I, I there's this entire idea behind it that that face off is kind of like the pinnacle of Nick Cage. You know, it's that mm-hmm. and National Treasure. That's what everybody seems to know him for, uh, at least okay. from what I've seen in, in you know pop culture, anyways. Um, 
but I just, I, it just wasn't really, I mean, after everything we've seen lately, it just really wasn't, it wasn't living up to the hype, I guess. Yeah. It, it just felt, I don't know, maybe too mainstream or maybe just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just wasn't yeah. doing it for me. So I would have to say my, my third would probably be The Rock. All right. Well, this is exciting. Cage Lord Melissa. This will be your your call. Uh, okay. Um, well, I'm going to go on and uh and agree with Cage Lord Reese and I'm going to pick the same top 3. I think it's got to be uh Leaving okay. Las Vegas, um Con Air and uh Face Off. All right. All right. I'm so honored. <laughs> um before before you do give your top pick, I don't know if you have one yet. If you need some time to think about it, that's fine too. Uh, I just want to give you guys one final chance to ask any more questions to Melissa about the band, Tomb of Nick Cage, or, or anything. Just Or anything. Or anything. Could be anything. I'll answer it, probably. Nick Cage has had <laughs> five wives now. How do you feel oh. about being number six? Um, well, I'd have to leave my husband, but he would understand. And uh, I mean, you could do like a joint venture. I just feel like I feel like maybe if you added all their ages together, you would get my age at this point. So I think my chances are low. Um, I hope I I wish I wish him success with this this new wife. I think she's adorable, and they're they're having a baby, and maybe maybe sixth time is the or fifth time is the charm. Whatever whatever he's at now. I mean, it depends so, on whether or not you count the four-day one, but... That's right. That's right. I don't think that... Although we got a great karaoke moment out of that. That's true. So, that's... Yeah. Uh, yeah right. So Some Nick Cage personal life stuff. Yeah. Sorry, Good. I like to ask the hard questions. Yeah. <laughs> I think... What are... Um, no, oh, go, go no, no, no. Go ahead, Sorry. Sean. I was going to say... Um, what are your what are some of your favorite uh, more occult spots in uh, New Orleans? Uh, more creepy like occult spots? Well, we've got so much here and it's so weird that nobody talks about it, but um, there's things that like you could research like the gates of Guinea and they believe that there's uh, seven gates to, that lead to the underground and they think that St. Louis number one is one of them. So I would say that that is one of the spots. Um, the French Quarter, just in general, it's it's very has like a magical like the feels like the veil is thin there. But I also like do I like to go down to the swamps and Cajun country and stuff like that and take in more of the nature and things like that. But there's there's all kinds of like um I really encourage people to like look past the um look past the surface when it comes to things like that and looked into things like the axe murder of New Orleans. Um, and things that you don't normally hear about, um, uh, the the Grunch Road monster, and and so there's all kinds of things that people don't really talk about in New Orleans that that are to me really cool, kind of paranormal um, phenomenon and things like that. So, so yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff. Come down, come down, hang out. Heck yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely on my list to uh, come back. My uh, my girlfriend is uh, really excited to check out some. Uh, more haunted spots. Oh yeah. Um, take take a ghost tour. I mean, a lot of it's BS, but some of it's uh, some of it's mm-hmm. some of it's fun. So, I, yeah. I encourage people one, to go do that. I, when I was down there, uh, I went on this one tour. It was called the the Bad Bitches of New Orleans tour, yeah. and um, yeah, it, you know, we went to like Marie Laveau's uh, 
house and Lollery, you know, the Lollery Mansion. Yeah. And yeah, there were some interesting stories about like, you know, where they thought vampires originated from and just like some different murders. And, yeah, they have yeah, the, the Ursuline, uh, the old Ursuline convent where they thought, you know, with the, they had girls that would come over and they would come with their luggage and they were called caskets and that was just the name of the luggage but they became known as the casket girls so if you look at the top Mm. windows of the convent everything is like shut with iron bars and so they believe that there was some sort of vampiric activity there i think it's a misinterpretation but i sure do like the stories so because new orleans was kind of like the wild wild west back then when everybody was coming over so uh very very interesting historically um, I just want to throw this out there. Um, I have one IMDb credit. I played a gorilla for the public access show Monster Madhouse. I love um, that. Yeah. Just uh, want to throw that out there. I was awesome. The if, you ha- if that exists, you have to send that to me. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. It, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Any, any more questions for Melissa? No? I feel like I had another one written down, but I can't find it. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of. <laughs> what are uh, here. What are some of your favorite uh, horror films? I know all of us are uh, well, except maybe Cage Fighter Steve, but uh, I know uh, myself and Reese are are big horror fans. Um, well, recently uh, I loved Midsommar. I think I watched it like, and it, look, do you like that one? A lot of people hate it. It's very polarizing. We have we have what's called cageless where we will review non-Nick Cage movies, and we did an episode on Midsommar. So what was the consensus? Did you guys like that one? Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. I saw it like three times in the theater, and I kept bringing people, and I would just look over to see their reactions the whole time. Yeah, um, yeah uh, so that one, for as a modern film, um, of course, Mandy is a new favorite now. I love oh, Color yeah. Out of Space. Um, and then some of the classics are uh, Nightbreed, um, They Live... Uh, Carpenters did so many good ones. Um, I like uh, Halloween 3 season of The Witch. I watch that one every time they come on. Oh, the Howling series. And I liked, uh, I just wrote, we just released a song about Ginger Snaps, which I like that one a whole lot too. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's one Steve likes. Steve isn't a huge horror aficionado, but he has a couple like interesting. But I don't, and I I like psychological horror. Yeah, yeah, I'm more of the psychological thriller kind of kind of person. I don't really like the the just like gore for gore's sake. Right. Um, It has to have like a meaning behind it for me. So I I I loved uh, I loved Saw. I loved the first Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Um, The second one was was okay. I thought it was solid too. I remember though. So me and me and Reese actually we 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 went to go see Saw three in theaters the night before we watched both Saw one and Saw two. And we both right. walked out of the theater after watching Saw 3 with a general consensus with, at least it's the end. <laughs> <laughs> at least this is the end. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. You gotta keep Cause going. Because it started out so fantastic. I mean, the, the direction and everything just yeah. uh, for the first one was phenomenal. And the second one... It was it was a sequel. I mean, it had it a great twist, on. though. I yeah. enjoyed the twist in the yeah. second one. Yeah, yeah. But after that, they just the it was off the tracks, and it was just now that director sake. also did uh, Repo, the Repo? That musical. Yeah, That's a, so I, I you know, I wish I want more of that, but yeah. you know, I, I Saw was Repo. making money, I guess. 
funny story on Steve repo. Steve got me into that one. I actually I brought that to a friend's once, and uh, they asked me if it was if it was gory, and I told them no, I know I really don't think so, because for me watching it, it was just it was fun, it was entertaining, it was a musical, it was. You know, so I, I saw yeah. it no different than watching a Disney movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> but watching it together with this person, I'm like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I, I've been trying to figure that out my whole life. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I loved it, too. Yeah. That fantastic. Was, that was a good one. I but, still um, yeah, uh, Steve, if you, uh, there's a movie called uh, The Invitation, if you like psychological horror, if you've seen that one, where mm-hmm. a guy gets invited to a dinner party is with for his ex-wife, and you find out that they've lost a child, and it's the most stressful movie I've ever seen. It's not technically huh. horror. And then I like The Ritual a whole lot, too. What? So those are a okay. few that have come out that are more like psychological in the last couple of years. Yeah. You mentioned a guy and a girl losing their child. That reminds me, there was a movie with... Uh, What's his name? Uh, William Defoe. <laughs> Antichrist. Yes. Oh, yeah. show that one to your friends. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So you know, as soon as you're saying, I was right. like, "Oh my God, Steve's totally gonna say Antichrist." Yeah, I, I'm. A, I'm a oh, man. Should I say this? Um, I'm gonna watch probably every Lars von Trier movie that comes out, but I don't suggest them to everybody. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you yeah. know, to you guys, I'll suggest them and. Your listeners, this uh-huh. is where they stop listening. They're like, I'm never going to. But yeah, because he's very polarizing. <laughs> but but, uh, but I, I do. I, I'll, I'll watch. I may not enjoy everything that he does, but I'll watch every Lars mm-hmm. von Trier movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, Melissa, do you have a pick? <sighs> I do. And it's with much, much suffering that I have Drum to roll. say that my, yeah, my second... My second, my, the one that, that did not make it was uh, uh-huh. to the number one spot was uh, leaving yeah. Las Vegas, but it was hard. Okay. But I do have to say that my pick out of all these, and it's a very hard one, was Con Air. Yeah, I know. I, it was hard. I mean, barely. But it's, if you're going to take caginess, yeah. rewatchability, and okay. enjoyability, then it has to be Con Air. And best uh, hairstyle. Oh yeah, totally. Obviously, and it's good. Sexiest wow. Man and in yeah, he he should be still winning sexiest man alive to this date, but <laughs> at the very least, he should have won it that year. Yeah. That's awesome. Con Air is now officially in our B Cage of Fame, joining the ranks of Vampire's Kiss and Birdie. Oh, nice. Yeah. This is an amazing moment for the Cage verse. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for that. Well, it wasn't easy. Like... It was it was much no. wailing and rending of my hair. But yeah. <laughs> it's done. It's done. That's why we had to call Great an pick. expert because we we <laughs> knew this was going to be a challenging yeah. challenging season. Right. I, in fact, yeah. I looked at the list when you sent it to me and I was like, "No. Mm-hmm. No, why are these movies up against each other? It's unfair." <laughs> so, I know. Yeah, that's how it goes, because we do the mini cage fights, right? Where we pit them against each other. So at the end of the, the season, we have the best yeah. of the best. Yeah. And it's always it's always a challenge. Yeah. Except I'd say for that, that first season, maybe. Um, no, I mean, we had... Maybe not. Yeah, we had, some, we had some real winners in that first season. You know, Valley Girl. And, well, that's uh, true. And uh, yeah. Racing with the Moon. Cop. Well, Cotton Club was disqualified. Cotton. Cotton Club was disqualified, yeah. and I've been trying to get Steve to watch it. I know. Forever. You, he won't Reese watch even it. bought me the Blu-ray and sent it to me for I Christmas it for so that I would watch it. You gotta watch Cotton Club. It's still sitting unwrapped. And I, and yeah. I also found that the VHS tape, 
sitting mm-hmm. right there on the mantle whenever I stayed at, I, whenever I go back to visit uh, our hometown, I actually stay at uh, Reese's grandmother's uh, second house. And there yeah. it was, right up there on the mantle, yeah. the VHS Cotton Club just waiting for me. Yeah. We, so the story is we, we actually couldn't sit through Cotton Club. It was the one movie that we just, like, we could not stay focused yeah. to what was happening. Yeah. And there's, I think there's different reasons for that. You know, not necessarily that it's a bad movie, even though I think Francis Ford Coppola wasn't happy with it. And he yeah. actually released, like, a new cut of it. Yeah. But, like, we couldn't sit through it. And I was like, I can't even talk about this movie. And I had even bought it on VHS. And I left it at my grandmother's house. And then, like, a week later, I'm talking to my grandmother, and she's like, oh, by the way, I found this movie, uh, Cotton Club, and I watched it. Man, what a great movie. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Yeah. Your grandma like, needs yeah. to be cage fighter. Yeah. I know. it would be That would be so dope. Yeah. And uh, it's just, just, you know, we weren't the target audience, obviously, for that. You know? yeah. It was, I think, a product of its time. Yeah. But that's why Cotton Club is like an inside joke yeah. for us. But yeah, um, thank you so much again for being a part of this. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Well, this is an Um, honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, go listen to The Tomb of Nick Cage right now. It is some fun stuff. Rock out to it it in your car, wherever. Go to tombofnickcage.com. That's Nick with a K. You can find their music on Spotify, Bandcamp, uh, iTunes, or Apple Music. And uh, yeah. Thanks again, and much congratulations to Conair, Nicholas Cage, the whole cast. You guys have now been enshrined, and I hope you get an extra star out of this. All the actors in that film, they deserve it, right? On, on the Walk of Fame. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone for listening to Late Night Cage Fight. It's been a blast. We have a lot of uh, good stuff coming up for you in the future, so um, we will see you soon. Thank you very much, and goodbye. <laughs>